Hi, this is John Biney. You're listening to TV Confidential. Well, let's hear it for him. Come on, come on out here. You have an entire chapter on Darren McGavin and the Night Stalker. And I will tell the listeners, it is the most entertaining chapter in the book. We're going to tease it because I want people to buy Size Book, which you can find at Amazon as well as jacobsbrownmediagroup.com. So I don't want to give too much away, but there are a few things about the show that you don't go into great detail about that I do want to ask you about. And one has to do with David Chase. Now, everyone knows David Chase as the showrunner of The Sopranos, but early in his career, he was a staff writer at Universal, and one of the first shows he did at Universal, I believe, was The Night Stalker. Was that how you first came in contact with him? Yes, when I took over the show, uh, they had a staff, and on that staff of writers was David Chase and uh, the late Rudy Borchardt. Oh. And uh, so the, they, were, they were a little nervous when I came on, and I had to sit down at our first production meeting and tell them, I have no friends at home who do any of their jobs, and everybody is secure until they screw up. <laughs> I never talked to Chase. I did talk to Rudy Borchardt very briefly many, many years ago. One thing that they both had in common is that they're both somewhat idiosyncratic writers. Well, yes, but then, then again... Uh, Kolchak, the Night Stalker, was an idiosyncratic kind of a show. And and we did that, and David Chase would do that intentionally. Now, long before we understood what crack was, uh, he wrote a joke into one of our shows about the hippies snorting, snorting marijuana and smoking cocaine. <laughs> That was the kind of stuff that David wrote. And uh, it was the kind of stuff that I would never have written if I were writing it, but I, I left it in. I remember very clearly that I left it in. You know, I, I do talk a little bit about David uh, in the book. One of the things he used to do was, if I had a script I wasn't happy with and I'd give it to David, and uh, on a Friday night, and they'd say, listen, take this home and make it better. And he would come in Monday morning, put it on my desk and say, it's still not very good, side, but it's better than it was before. And when I would read it, I would find that it was very good. I mean, David Chase was just really very good. And he was responsible for a lot of the good stuff. I believe he was responsible for the sewing up of the mummy's mouth with a needle and thread. Yes, yes. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm nodding my head. That's you know. I, I I'm nodding my head. I can see. I can. I can see the visual. Uh, I, I, in fact, I think that was one of the shows that Richard Keel played. The uh, I think Richard Keel played the mummy then in, in that episode, if I remember correctly. Might have, he might have. I used uh, I used Richard a lot. Yeah. Now the other thing about David Chase, if I remember correctly, I believe Night Stalker was particularly popular among college age students. So, and you just gave an example of that with the drug references. I mean, he he was in step with what young people were thinking and were hip to because he was, you know, not too far removed from them age-wise, right? The Night Stalker was a great show to watch if you were high. 
listening to a conversation with award-winning TV producer Cy Shermack that originally aired in September 2018 on TV Confidential. Cy Shermack passed away Friday, January 29th at the age of 91. One of my favorite episodes, whether you're high or not, is the one called uh, Chopper, which is the one with the headless motorcycle rider. Larry Linville was the guest antagonist in that show, and I believe Chase wrote that one, but he also it was based on a story brought in by two then-unknown writers named Robert Zemeckis and Robert Gale. Uh, did they come to you? Did Chase bring them to you? How did they come about to contributing to the show? Well, no, most of the stories came to me directly. Uh, I, I think it's possible that it came through David I don't remember how, but I remember that Zemeckis and Gale were not happy with the revisions that I asked them to do. Uh, I, I remember that very clearly, and I didn't have much to do with them except for the fact that one time I got a call from somebody saying that uh, Zemeckis and Gale would like to go to a scoring session, and they... Uh, I said, sure, let them go. And they went to a scoring session, and at that session, they met the composer, who they used later, Zemecki used later as a composer, in, uh, in, a, in a couple, or more than just a couple of his movies. Uh, I don't remember specifically uh, whether or not it was David who brought that script to me. But I know that it's funny that you would say that it's one of the favorites of yours because it's one of the ones I hated. <laughs> well, two, two, two things. It's a show that if you were to do it today, it would be a little more realistic because of the possibilities you have with CGI, but you didn't have that technology in 1974, 75, but you worked around that by doing a lot of quick cuts so that you very rarely had a full shot of the headless motorcycle rider. But uh, I just, look, we've said this before, there are no right or wrong, when it comes to television, there are no right or wrong answers. I mean, you either like some, if if I like something for a reason, you may not like that that same thing, but you know, it's, that's part of what it's all about. Well, uh, I guess perhaps I shouldn't say that I hated the show. I hated one aspect of it. Uh, You're absolutely right, Ed. You put your finger on the problem with Kolchak the Night Stalker. We did not have the time, nor did we have the money to do what it is that David Chase and Rudy Borchardt were bringing me every week. And we tried our best. But when it came down to doing The Headless Horseman, the only thing my company could come up with was building a guy whose chest was four feet long because he could then look out of a little peephole. Yes. <laughs> but it looked so bad, I hated it, but we had to shoot it anyhow. Uh, it was not one of my favorite shows, although names tend to escape me these days, Ed, but I do remember that the cast of that show... Uh, was a cast of some of my favorite people, some of my favorite young actors. As a matter of fact, all of Kolchak the Night Stalker 
had some of my favorite actors in it, most of them being comedic actors. We'll touch on that in just a second, but Larry Linville was the, he was the police officer who butted heads with Kolchak that week, and Art Matrano, who you had worked with a year or so earlier on Amy Prentice, he also had a prominent role in that. Art was one of the guys that I was thinking about. I cannot remember who the young woman was who was in it. Uh, can you remember the names of the cast? I'm pulling my copy of DeWidziak's book. Oh, uh, Sharon Farrell. Yes, yes, Sharon Farrell, yes. Sharon Farrell and, and Jim Backus. I forgot, Jim Backus had a role as a motorcycle salesman. And the Headless Horseman was played by uh, a stuntman who was the son of our stunted double for Darren McGavin, who, by the way, was just wonderful. Again, it's a name I can't remember, but I remember that Darren would not do some things and his stuntman looked just like him going away. But that was not my happiest show. You only made 20 shows, yet in the 40-something years since Night Stalker left ABC, it has virtually never been off television. Why do you think that is? I don't have any thoughts on it, Ed. I, I really don't. I'm gratified by it. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm pleased by it. I'm, I guess the show was better than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> At some times... In syndication, I had three to four shows on the air at the same time. Mm -hmm. Only last year, the Virginian was on the air at the same time as Chips, at the same time as uh, Kolchak the Night Stalker, and Ironside. So even in syndication, I had four shows on the air at the same time. Award-winning TV producer Cy Shermack from a conversation that originally aired in September 2018 on TV Confidential. Cy Shermack passed away Friday, January 29th at the age of 91. You can hear more of our conversation with Cy Shermack for free on the TV Confidential podcast. You can find the TV Confidential podcast wherever podcasts are found. Cy's memoir, The Showrunner, an insider's guide to successful TV production, is available through Jacobs Brown Media Group.com as well as Amazon.com, other online retailers. You can now purchase T-shirts, mugs, caps, hoodies, wall clocks, and other gifts with the TV Confidential logo from the official TV Confidential merchandise shop. For more information, go to televisionconfidential.com forward slash merchandise or cafepress.com forward slash TV Confidential, cafepress.com forward slash TV Confidential. Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net. You can also message us at facebook.com forward slash tvconfidential, x.com forward slash tvconfidential, or at tvconfidential on Instagram. And if you're listening to us on the TV Confidential podcast, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. This portion of TV Confidential is brought to us by our friends at Front Porch Realty, the community of realtors in the Northern Bay Area of California that is committed to finding the solution that is best for their clients. Whether you're a first-time home buyer or looking to sell or lease your property in Northern California, call Karen Strain at 415-886-7411 
or visit frontporchrealtygroup.com for more information on how they can help you.